what I see on the screen is not what you see on the, on the iPad is not what you see. Okay. And so I was just, it just, that makes perfectly good common sense. Joel, why did you think of that? <laughs> makes all the sense in the world. All right. Hey, I'm in good shape. All right. Put it back to the beginning. Is the end of the chapter. Romans 8, uh, 31 to 39. And it reads like this. Paul is writing and he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding indeed for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, we thank you today for your word to us. We know that if you are for us, nothing could be against us. But keep us mindful this day, Lord, of your great love for us. Help us to be reminded of that as we consider the words of Paul in Romans 8. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a book that I have on my shelf by Philip Yancey. It's called, Where Is God When It Really Hurts? I'm going to give you a quote from that book right now, and then I'll come back uh, to the message. But the quote is this. As we rely on God and trust his spirit to mold us in his image, true hope can take its shape within us. A hope that will never disappoint. We can literally become better persons because of suffering. Pain, however meaningless it may seem at the time, can be transformed. Where is God when it really hurts? How does pain transform us, even what seems to be meaningless pain at the time? I guess another way for me to pose that question for myself is this. What is my position with God in the tough moments of life? Let me say that to you again. Where is my position with God in the tougher moments of life? Where does God see me? Where does God place me in the midst of trial and of pain and of suffering? 
right here in this passage this morning, and I'm now going to take Romans 8, 31 to 39, a verse at a time, as I usually do, and talk about it and answer those kind of questions through this passage. Look at what Romans 8, 31 says. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I don't know if you know it or not, but today is a special day. Today is the day that the Steelers will once again beat the Cleveland Browns. And some of you will wonder all day why and how that could happen again. It's because there's a superior, stellar football team, and the Browns are, well, you know, the Browns. I'll pay for that in a little bit. There's something to be said for a bully pulpit. But, how many of you watched a football game the other night? Did you see that game? Oh, come on, I know you watched it. I mean, just just when you thought you'd want to go to bed, right? Just when you thought, oh, no, it's going to be back and forth like this. Look out and look at what happened. You know, after all, who names their child Dabo or Dabo or however you say it? He had given Ohio State, that's the Clemson football coach, no chance. Ranked them as 11th place. 11th place. But Ryan Day and Justin Fields had something to say about that, as well as the rest of the Buckeye football team. You and I know, both of us, really, football is a game of chance, unless, of course, you're the Browns and you're playing the Steelers. But Paul, in this verse, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul is not stating a matter of chance. He's not talking about a football game or a checkers game. He's talking about us, me and you. And he's saying if we are gods, who could be against us? Who would be against us? And look at what Jesus says, or rather what Paul says about why. He, this is the 32nd verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This verse, this 32nd verse, makes the fact that God is for us and our position with God is secure make sense. And the reason I say that is because of this. Look at what it says. He who did not spare his own son. Have you ever considered what God's love for you cost God? It was expensive. He didn't spare his own son. If you're a parent today, and as I walked through the parking lot this morning and talked with uh, our tech guy back here, Eric, our big, our, our, our computer guy, Eric, I realized that some of you have children right now. I, I marvel every day at how much I think of my grandchildren. <laughs> what did it cost God to place us in the position we are in? You'll remember that in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, Abraham took his own son, his son Isaac, and he took him up on Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice there. But there was a difference about that. There was a lamb, a sheep, over here in the weeds that was caught. There was a substitute given to Abraham for his son. God didn't have that substitute. There was no one else to stand in. He only had Jesus, and he did not spare him. He paid that price because he loves us. He places us in a good position. Jesus 
endured the cross because he loves us and his father loves us incredibly. And he's placed us in a wonderful position before his father. If you would ask Paul over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19 how this works, he would write it this way. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to, their, to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Look at that. What did God do? In Christ, he was reconciling us to himself, not counting my sin against me. In Jesus, church, let me tell you, he was not an unwilling victim. He was not drafted into sacrificial service. Jesus chose to do what he did for us because he loves us. And if Christ is for us, who can be against us? Paul would say over in Galatians 2 and verse 20 these words, The life I now live in the flesh. I live with faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The question still stands. If God is for us, who could possibly be against us? And look at what the 33rd verse says. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God that justifies. Can I tell you something, church? No matter how hard anybody may try, they cannot bring charges against God's people, his children, his Christians. We've got our resident police person here today, and whenever something comes up that's wrong, he may ask somebody, do you want to press charges? But he's not going to ask me if somebody did something to you. He's going to ask you. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 10, listen to this. I, this is John writing about his vision, and he says, I heard a voice in heaven that said, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ have come. And here's the part I want you to hear. Listen, turn up your eardrums. And the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night against God. Church, can I tell you something? Satan is the accuser, but he cannot successfully press charges against us because if God is for us, who could be against us? If God loved us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, on the cross to die for our sins and to give us reconciliation with his Father, to give us forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life, no one can accuse us aside from the Lord himself. You know, David sinned. David sinned in the Old Testament. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had Bathsheba's husband uh, killed. And when David came to his sentence, senses and he prayed to God for forgiveness in Psalm 51, in the fourth verse, this is what he said. I want you to hear it. He said to God, against you, and you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. You are justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Let me translate for you what David just told us. God and Jesus is the only righteous one that has a chance to press charges against us. And guess what? God won't do it. Guess why? Because he loves us. Because God is for us. God is not against us. The reason he sent Jesus Christ to the cross is for those very reasons. To save us. In the 34th verse, this is Romans 8. I'm getting back to my verse verse. 
Look at what he said. Who is condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. Paul's answer to this question, church, is that only one could possibly condemn. The answer is only Jesus could possibly do that. And he will not because he knows. And listen close. He knows the all-sufficient, all-excellent covering of our sin that he accomplished on the cross. Notice in this verse what Paul says. Christ died to remove the guilt of sin. Notice what he says. Christ was raised to life and gives life to those that come to him for salvation. Do you remember when Jesus met Martha on the way to her brother Lazarus' tomb, what he said? He said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He said in another place, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. He said it to his disciples in John 19, 11. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you can live also. All of this is in this verse, Romans 8, 34. He says, he says not only here, Paul says that God was exalted to God's right hand. All power in earth and heaven has been given to him. And also, look at this. He is interceding for us. Church, understand. At any moment in time, at any situation you find yourself in, in any circumstance of life, you may call the pastor, you may call your Christian friend, you may call a Sunday school leader, you may call a dear brother or sister in Christ, but the one thing that will always hold true is this. Christ is praying for us. He's interceding at the throne of God. If God be for us, who could be against us? Who could ever be against God's people? And so Paul goes on in the 35th verse. So what can separate us from the love of Christ? Can can tribulation or distress? Can persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Listen, church, when we suffer, and we do, and we have, And we shall, when we suffer, has God abandoned us? Does God no longer love us? Has his love for us grown cold? God the Father continued to love his son Jesus, even when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, and he continues to love you and I in every circumstance of life. If God be for us, who can be against us? In John 16, Jesus said to his disciples, I've said these things to you so that you can have peace in the world. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Church, what can separate us from the love of God? He continues on in the 36th verse, For it is written, and he's quoting Psalm 44 here, It is written, for your sake we're killed all the day long, we're regarded as sheep that are to be slaughtered. Church, let it remind you that believers just like you and just like me, we've had suffering forever. We are not unique. And we are not unique because with regards to suffering, we are just like Christ. And we suffer with him. And he suffered for us. 
church. As it's written, for your sake we're killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But look at the 37th verse. No. In all these things. What things? Death. Tribulation. Distress. Persecution. Nakedness. Pandemic. COVID-19 diagnosis. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul goes on to say in the 38th verse, that's right. Paul goes on to say in the 38th verse, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor anything else in all of creation could separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul said over in the book of Philippians these words, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In fact, he goes on to say, we would rather be away from body and at home with the, with the Lord. But he says in another place, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Please understand what he's saying there. No tribulation, no trial, no heartache, no nothing that could ever possibly happen can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, whether we're here or we're there, he loves us. And if we live here, we'll live for Christ. And if we die, we'll be with Christ. God is for us. For me to live is Christ. To die will be gain. But in the meanwhile, I will recognize that I do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers. I wrestle against the accuser who has no right to accuse. Because Jesus Christ sits at the throne of God and hung upon the cross of Calvary. He sits far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion above every name that will ever be named. And if he is for me, who could be against us? Do you remember what the original question was to this passage? Because what Paul just told us is, he's sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things to come, nor things present, nor powers can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Do you remember what the original question was? The question was this. If God is for us, who could be against us? You know, this is Paul's summary statement. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. If God's for us, nothing can be against us. And nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And church, that brings me, Romans 8, 31 to 39, to my bottom line. And the bottom line is this. The price of my salvation reveals the depth of God's love for me. Let me say that to you again. The price of our salvation reveals the depth of God's love for us. Church, it's 2021. 
but 2020 didn't win. Nothing that you have ever faced or will ever face. And I understand this morning that some of us are facing cancer. Some of us are dealing with family members that are ill. Some of us are dealing with marriages that are in the tank. Some of us are dealing with financial hardship that we never knew thought would come our way. Some of us are dealing with circumstances we could not see coming. But we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Because nothing can be stronger than the love of God for you. The price of our salvation. Jesus' death upon the cross. Reveals the depth of God's love for us. He was willing to sacrifice his son. So that we would understand. That nothing could ever be against us. That would overcome us. When we serve Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Eternal God, we thank you this day that we could worship you. As we come into a new year, we are grateful that we can come into knowledge that because you are for us, nothing could be against us. That you laid down your son's life on behalf of us. You spared no expense. You lavished on us the best you could give. The perfect willing Son of God for us. And Lord, because you love us that way and love us so much, nothing could overcome us. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin, thankful for reconciled relationships with you, and we long for them to be so with each other. And Lord, now as we leave this place, may we enter into the year that lies ahead, knowing that nothing, not height nor depth, nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor powers, nor principalities shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. These things we ask in his good name. Amen. God bless you, church. I hope to see you next week, if not sooner. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I ain't abandoned me. I didn't have my ears, and I didn't want that thing so loud it was muffled. And I'm sitting back down, like, if I keep turning this up, it's going to echo. I'll have to go ahead and listen. You okay? God bless you. Thanks for being here, Bob. You okay? I shut that off. I unplugged it up there. I didn't shut the tank off. I just unplugged that plug. Travis, thank you. I'm doing okay, Bob. How are you? Great. You avoided what your wife had? <laughs> you wouldn't stay in the office, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs>